Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant. My name is Russ Farshtick. This is The Resties, where the rest of the best discuss the best of the rest. This week, we're talking about a new segment that you, you're bringing. You yeah. Like you should just say what it is because it's your thing. Sure. I would it's an it examination you. of uh, dope ass <laughs> levels that we really like and uh, level design and, and levels that really stand out. Now, we're going to start with a big one from Elden Ring. You have Ring. a name for it. You didn't even give the name. You started with the word examination. You, you need to start with the big catchy. Well, you can. You, boom. Headline. Okay. Boom. Well, you Knock called it down. Better Noah Dungeon. Did I call it that? I don't think I called it better that. Better Noah Dungeon. I kind of like great. it. Here's mine. Ready? Uh-huh. Isn't it levelly? I like no. I mean, we can we can leave it to the the listeners, but I'm gonna guess that I'm gonna win on this one. Isn't it levelly? Oh boy! Is I hope the segment's as good as this. <laughs> anyway, uh, before we get into that, um, as people recall from our, I believe, last episode, uh, we had a bet regarding uh, who got the most predictions right for 2022. You narrowly won by, I believe, a point or a half point, depending. And uh, your reward was me funding a action, uh, a sorry, a video game statuette of uh, my choosing, I guess. And uh, so I found something. The problem was they f- I found something that was very expensive. So I and it I, was on sale. It was on sale, say, but it was it, still it's cheaper than its current listed price on Amazon by quite a bit. But. Oh, my God. How much is it up to now on Amazon? <laughs> it's a lot. Okay. Well, regardless, I found a 13 Sentinels statue that I linked to you. And I was like, hey, this seems perfect. But there's no way I'm spending. At the time, it was like $200. And mm-hmm. it's not, I was not going to spend $200 on this thing. So I, I helped fund it. But we went you, halvesy, basically. We went halvesies. And, but you super duper wanted it. So... Uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, it actually arrived. Uh, it's a real monkey's paw kind of wish. It arrived. To, it talk arrived. about the scenario that it, it came in. Okay. Well, okay, so I was out of town. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, Fresh. My, my wife has not seen it yet. I oh, cannot. No. I, have, I have not shown it to Steffi yet. I'm like back and forth on what to do if I, like, I need to return it. But the problem with returning it is I would need to go to the Amazon drop-off, and then they would see me. I mean, it's going to be in a box. Oh, I don't know. It, I don't know. I, no, I threw the box away. I threw, like, the delivery box oh, away. Oh, big mistake. Yeah. So, okay. So, here's what I didn't appreciate when we ordered it. It is one for scale. And and, which, and talk about, like, what it, like who is the character? People it, need... Uh, sure. It's Natsuno Minami, who is, I don't know, kind of, like, plays the... Elliot to E.T. and 13 Sentinels. She uh, carries around a little, ro- like, adorable robot. Um, and her storyline, yeah, it's very E.T. the extraterrestrial. Yeah. And the the toy is her and, like, the robot inside of her, like, gym bag. But it's like a, it's the, don't, it's not a toy. Let's not diminish it. It is no, like a high quality statue. A, a PVC figure, I believe it's yeah. described. <laughs> it really doesn't make it seem any better. It is 15.3 inches tall. Which like, I was trying to pick, I mean, it's, it's three inches longer than a foot, obviously. Uh-huh. That is how much it uh yeah. Uh, yeah no it's it's slightly longer than the foot and um <sighs> that's pretty sizable for a statue 
what I didn't appreciate bigger than an Oscar, if I recall. It doesn't fit like on a shelf. <laughs> <laughs> that that's the problem, I think. On any like, shelf, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit like on my bookshelf. Like it fits. You know where it fits on my bookshelf, like as in quite literally on top of the bookshelf. Yeah. Um, like between the bookshelf and the ceiling. That seems like a a, a very a vaunted place for it to go. Like, uh, yeah. that's the only respectful place to put it. I think so. There, there are smaller figurines. There's like an eighth scale. Yeah, I think we. I might be like maybe maybe I'll trade it in and and we'll <laughs> we'll go down we'll go down a notch. Maybe quarter to scale of a of a human person. Maybe that's not quite right. Yeah, you know. Well, I it did seems like a bit much. What do you think of my idea, which was to put it out in front of your yard <laughs> as like a lawn ornament? Situation? Get arrested? Yeah, I think that'll go great. People will love that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, Billy, I, stay away from that house. Do, do not we, let him anywhere near you. <laughs> do we know? Do we know what we're going to do for our prize for the next the next session? Uh, no. Didn't we come up with something good? Oh yeah, we were gonna do um art. We were gonna do custom art. Okay, okay, that's a good idea. <laughs> something <laughs> that like is a little much... more classy and we wouldn't be ashamed of. Yeah. Okay, that sounds good. Well, thank you for following through on this. Of course. Um and. I, it turns out I do actually have shame, and I've I've found I've found. Are you, you going to share is. an image of it on the Twitter? I I will, and I, I might I, I I'll share maybe whatever version. Like if I trade it in, I'll share that version too. Okay, good. Okay, okay, cool. Should we get to the show? Let's do it after this break. Okay, so we are jumping in. Sure, we'll call it Better Know a Dungeon, even though isn't it lovely is really catchy. And uh, for this installment, we're going to be exploring Stormvale Castle. Now, Stormvale Castle, for those who have played Elden Ring, is the very first major dungeon in the game. I believe it's called a Legacy Dungeon. And you basically like come out of your cave after being revived and smack dab in front of you, you could see in the distance this amazing, huge medieval castle. Um, tackling it, probably another 10, 10 hours down the road. But uh, it is sort of a, this this kind of looming thing right at the beginning of Elden Ring. And it is one of my favorite dungeons in the game by far. It's probably my second favorite dungeon in, in Elden Ring. And I thought it'd be fun if we just did like a slow verbal walk through it just to talk about like parts we liked, parts we got confused in, stuff like that. So... I thought we'd we'd just jump from there. How's that sound? I think that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's like a cool chance for us to talk about what makes, uh, on a really granular level, a video game good, and what yeah. we like about a video game. So I'm I'm in I'm very into it. Um, do you, so we are we have slain a few beasts. We, we have. have found we've, some clothes. <laughs> yeah, we've been chilling in Limgrave, which is the starting area of Elden Ring. I, you know, most people I think are, are going to spend five or ten hours in Limgrave before kind of marching up to Stormvale. Obviously, you could run right at it, but I think um, most people will probably be a little bit leveled up. And generally speaking, the first kind of interaction you have with "Oh shit, this might be a tough area" is the approach, which isn't even in the castle. It's sort of like the outskirts of the castle. There's this giant gate and behind the gate, this giant, like a 20 foot tall giant drops down from the ceiling surrounded by guards who all have like crossbows and just like fuck your shit up very quickly. And that was like 
basically telling me immediately, this place is not to be fucked with. Think it through before you keep going. <laughs> so then you, you, you turn around and go grind a little bit more and increase your sorcery. Yeah, I mean, some people did that. I kind of ground down on the, on the giant himself because he was right by a save point. And I like, got some soul, souls, runes, whatever they're called in Elden Ring, and kind of spent my time there for a little while. But eventually, I was able to push past that. And do you remember what the area that comes after that? I mean, this is... So, I, I, I went back... I've, I've, I've played this. I went back and watched a bunch of playthroughs mm. ahead of this. And where I picture Stormville Castle starting is that approaching gate. There's, a, there's, a, there's an actual gate to the castle... Yeah, and, are you talking about the one behind all the ballistas? Well, yeah, well, there's a gate, and then behind that gate, there are ballistas aiming at you. Yeah, but the gate has the giant there that he drops down from the ceiling, right? Oh, no. Well, maybe no. you should have fucking played the game. <laughs> Why well, did? You didn't. You watched videos of it. <laughs> okay, you keep telling me what happens next. Okay. I'll tell you if that's where I'm at. So uh, you go past this giant, you climb up, and you're kind of in this like foggy, uh, you know, uh, area. It's raining. It's the weather's disgusting. And you start pushing in, and you see all these ballistas that are pointing directly at you. And guys start like launching, um, you know, giant like trebuchet type weapons at you. And you're just kind of getting attacked from all angles. It's around this time that you kind of have to make a choice. And I made an interesting choice here that. Uh, you know, you can kind of follow the ro road into what essentially is a large wall. Um, or you can keep kind of walking straight. The road curves off to the left. And if you keep walking straight, this is what I did on my first playthrough ever. I just totally bypassed Stormville Castle entirely. Like I walked around the edge of it by accident uh, and ended up in um, Linernia, which is like the second area of the game without doing any of Stormville Castle, which is like an interesting choice because it's not even hidden. It almost like encourages you to go that way. Yeah. See, I remember that from the very first time I did it and feeling very clever. Yeah. When in reality, it's like there's nothing clever about it at all. It, yeah, I think. Well, right. it just it, it puts you in a situation you where you're way under leveled for anything that's ahead of you. But I, I kept pushing on and ended up like in Linernia for like another 10 hours before I went back and took on Stormville Castle, realizing I was definitely outclassed where I was. Yes. Once I did, though, uh, I, I got past all those ballista guys and finally, finally got into what I would call, like, you know, Stormville proper, which starts with Margit the Fell Omen. Okay, so here... Okay, so now I see why the confusion. Okay. To me, this is all prelude. Do you think Margaret is Castle. prelude to Stormvale Castle? Yeah, it is the final test to see if you're ready for Stormvale Castle. Yeah, I don't think so. I think they Look are what all... you did. You make it seem like I don't know how this game works. I know exactly what we're talking about. You're talking about, you're like over here reading through the text of the Star Wars opening scrawl. And I'm like, you're like, you remember this? Some people stole some information. I'm like, I don't think that's how New Hope begins. And you're like, no, no, no. Trust me, and it's like no, you're you're talking about the 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 the, the overture. 
No, I mean, you I fight think the overture the matters a lot. And then, ah, oh boy. You don't we think it matters? Into the cast? Sure, but I mean, Stormville Castle is what we're here to talk about, right? Sure. Like, that's right. the big thing. But no, you're setting the scene. You're setting I'm the setting scene. I'm setting the scene. And I think it's very important to the rest of the, uh, what we're about to talk about from a level design standpoint. The fact of that approach has this element of like openness where you have choices, but it is kind of funneling you into... Uh, what is essentially like the dungeon. And I think that's a lot of the dungeon design is like a surprising amount of choices. Whereas in most levels that are like this, like you think of a Zelda dungeon, for example, incredibly linear experience. And and that is not what's going on here. Yeah. I Or, or to put it another way, I this game at its best is teaching you a thing and then giving you a larger version of it. And a larger version of that still. And a larger version of that still. Right? It's a Mario model of like, we teach you that and we test you with it. And here you started with like, here's a giant. And this is hard, right? And then you're going to like work your way up to Margit. And that is now the big test. And then you're ready for the actual castle. And now it's like, here's the big version of that, right? Like, here's what happens if we expand that out into a, what do they call it, legacy dungeon? Yeah, well, and, and it also allows you to make a choice. Whereas I think once people get into a dungeon like Stormville Castle, they feel like they're stuck there. They feel like I'm going to do this until I leave, right? Or beat it or whatever it is. Right. But by having all these choices in the lead up to Stormville Castle, I think it's encouraging people either to like go try something else if they feel like they're underpowered or just like, you know, kind of nip at the edges and see if this is the thing you want to do right now, uh, which is cool and and uh, a really nice touch. Yeah. So now we're at Stormville Castle. We're Welcome actually there, there, according we're to here. you. We're, this is where Stormville Castle this is. Begins. It's the castle. It's in front of you. The actual castle, right? Yeah, fair enough. And you have two choices. You have the big giant gate. Yeah. And you can, you can go through it and there are... What ballistas, giant arrows aiming at you? They'll yeah. destroy you. They'll wreck you unless you are somehow the world's best Elden Ring player. Or there's a dude who's like, "Hey, you know, you can go around back. Maybe you want to do that." Uh, and and that begins like the theme of this castle, which is going in and out. Like I I I, I, don't know, I wrote down as like prepositions. This is prepositions as video game design. Where in like a lot of traditional dungeons, you're going through it, right? Or and especially first person games, you're going through the game. You're going purposely propelling forward towards an end. Where here you are going like in the castle, out of the castle, under the castle, over the castle, around the castle. You are experiencing every preposition you could uh, take uh, in terms of what this castle is. So the first half is just trying to kind of like really break into the heart of it. So you you start outside, and then you every time you kind of think you're getting into the castle, it throws you back out. You realize you're only on like a part of the wall that has been beaten down and mm-hmm. discarded. And then to progress, you have to go down or up a cliffside, and then you try breaking into the castle again, and then that is kind of a dead end. And th- this the way that you feel how impenetrable and big the castle is by sending you in and out of it up and down it just trying to kind of you know like find that hole in its armor it's so brilliant um because it really captures the scale of this thing which honestly for the first i don't know 30 minutes you're not even really getting inside of 
Yeah, I mean, you're, you're you're spending a lot of time, as you said, going inside and outside of it. A lot of it is spent like in the walls. So you, you know, kind of make your way on the cliffside. And then eventually when you get in, you're kind of in these rampart walls that are very dark and creepy and and feel very close to the tone and, and style of like Dark Souls 1, for example. But there's an element at which it, it starts kind of escalating into something a lot more involved and interesting um, just from like structurally speaking. Like I think the first part of that map, because realistically like no one for the most part is going right through the gates uh, facing um, those ballistas. Like it's, as you said, a death sentence. So almost everyone's going to go towards this like side alleyway and the side alleyway for the most part is pretty linear. Like it's kind of guiding you up and up and up until you can eventually get to uh, there's like the Rampart Tower of Grace, which is like the first time that this map really earnestly starts br- um, branching. And when it branches, it branches in like crazy fucking ways. Very overwhelming yes. ways, but like in ways that make you not even fully grasp how big this level is and how many options there are in terms of tackling it. Well, and, and that first, so again, going from this cliffside that is going in and out of the castle to the rampart, I think is so interesting because it feels to me like the transition from Dark Souls to something bigger. Um, that that going into the castle, it's very dark. It's very moody. Um, it, it's, it kind of winds in and on onto itself over and over again. And it reminds me of just the early stages of any Dark Souls game or even Demon Souls to some level. Um, and then when you finally get through that, you're right, you go into the, that tower and it has um, right in the middle of it is an elevator that is n- not operating. Um, and yeah, you, depending on which floor you go to, one, just the verticality of it is a huge shift. Um, but two, that yes, it, it takes you to... Um, kind of the different types of experiences that you're going to have in Elden Ring. Yeah. You know, like there's, there's like one of them is like very, very platforming heavy. Um, and like really, so, I mean, you can describe this, like going onto the rooftop specifically. Yeah. So, so from that rampart tower, uh, tower site of grace, uh, you have the option. You can either go just like keep walking outside to the ramparts or you start climbing up. And these rooftops that you reach by going up are, uh, there's tons of them. And because you can now jump in a, in a Soulsborne, which is new, um, you have so much more like versatility in terms of where you can go on the, these rooftops to the point where, so I played this game, obviously, when it came out in February of 2022, um, but hadn't really played through this map in particular since then. And I found myself finding items that I like completely missed and and uh, areas that I completely missed just by thinking of the game in a different way, by really like looking at every ledge and every sign and, and even like player notes and being like, huh, I wonder why that's there. Oh, I, I had never gone through this. And suddenly I'm opening doors that I'd never opened before and and seeing areas that I'd never opened before, which is just like so cool. And that whole like upper area, the rooftops area is like pretty off the beaten path. Like it is kind of going away from your end goal, which is like the final boss fight of this map. Um, But you find like dope shit up there, dope items. And it just like 
gives you a lot of fun activities to do that aren't just like, I'm going to fight a bunch of eagles that throw exploding barrels at me. Yeah, well, and the, there is that thing of up, horizontal, sideways, I guess, or, or down. So what you're talking about, that that area to me, you're right, it's teaching you effectively jump platforming. Yeah. I'm saying like, this is a new way, you know, this is another way of thinking about these games. There's an intentionality to every corner and every little thing that you can jump onto. The sideways route takes you actually back to that original cliffside. Yeah. And it rewards you from like, hey, the, okay, this is backtracking. You're familiar with this. If you do this, you, you know, you, there's going to be the bonus rewards. And then the down gap, which is this area, there's a bunch of uh, birds with blades stuck to their, their feet. Um, or some of them are like throwing exploding barrels. You can jump downwards from that area. And it's a series of jumps down, 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 down until one of my favorite moments, the first time I played the game, the ground gives way underneath you and you drop even further till you're basically at the bottom of this cliffside, way underneath the Stormville Castle. And that's similar to, again, the old kind of Dark Souls for me of, well, you can't jump, but you can kind of fall. You can throw mm -hmm. yourself off ledges and there are these hidden things. And what's so wild about that is... The reward is that elevator. Yeah. So this thing that is like very, very easy to overlook, going off this very specific edge and dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping, the reward is tremendous. It's so big, um, which again is, is just teaching you, hey, you know, you could go in one direction and do all of this really challenging stuff and then you get a, you know, like crappy stone. Or you could just jump off ledges for, you know, 10 minutes. And then the reward is you now have a means of navigating this entire level. Okay, so let me say something at this point. Yes. That elevator remains non-functioning to me. Because I had never, with, and I spent a long time trying to figure it out, had never figured out how to activate it. How to get down to where that bottom is where I could turn the elevator on. Yeah. Um. And obviously, I could have looked it up, but I intentionally was like not doing that for Elden Ring and continue to not do that for Elden Ring. Of course, Chris Plant just spoiled it for me. It's fine. Don't worry you, about it, Chris you, Plant. I, I hey, I did this without without spoilers the very first time I played it. How did you brag. even know to go down there? Because it was Dark Souls, and every ledge and the and the first thing I was like, I gotta look under that. And I was like, it's also so. It's kind of, to me, it was kind of obvious because it's a big open <laughs> space. It Like when you're going out to these birds with, that are throwing the, the bomb barrels at you, there's like a big, almost like a patio ledge. Um, and it looks out really at nothing. When I saw that, I was like, that has, like, they don't put anything in this game unless there's, a, you know, a reason. Yeah, right? and, I, and so I, like, I think that rings true throughout the entire game. There's There's always a reason for a platform or an item. If there's an item that's like floating out there in space, you can obviously get to it somehow, and it kind of gets your brain cooking in terms of how you might go about that. Yeah. And when, again, what I loved about that spot, that fall that I mentioned where you, you know, you jump and you jump and you jump and the ground actually gives way. That to me, like, really set the tone for the entire game. The two things in this in this stage that set the tone were one, just birds with blades on their feet. That's the second I saw them, yeah, and throw and throw exploding barrels. Like I was like, okay, I, I I get the sense of humor that's going on here. But two, when I was doing that jumping and then the ground gives way, and then I didn't die. I actually like it just 
scared me for a minute. And it's like, okay, well, now you're in this new area. That is so much kinder than the early Dark Souls model um, where it trolls you just to troll you. Yeah. Um, this is like, yeah, we, we got you. But also like, hey, good job. Um, we're glad you actually looked over here. Here's a reward. Um, I don't know. It, that, that, it, that felt like a consistent energy where they didn't want to punish me when I was really actually having fun, when I was really making an effort to like see everything that they had put in the game. Yeah, and it's funny because when I was playing it the first time back in February of last year, I remember being really conservative about my choices. Like, oh, I'm not going to summon a spirit summon because like I'm going to save that or whatever it was. And while I, while I was playing, replaying it just now, uh, I remember being kind of amazed at like, wow, I could play almost this entire dungeon with like a AI companion with me. And that's fucking great. Like, that's so nice. And I was just like, not even like attuned to that by, at that point of the game when I first played it. So they really do give you a lot of options and tools to make the game much easier for you. Um, uh, which which would, would have probably taken a lot of the sting out of my uh, deaths the first time through. But I was playing it like a Dark Souls game, like playing it, really conservatively and carefully and and just learning the ropes at that point. Yeah. So for me, this like all this kind of comes together. Like you're, you're, you're right. There's all these different ways that you can branch out mm -hmm. um, or you can just kind of go effectively directly to the boss. But again, the kind of problem is you don't know where that is. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't really know where you're going. But once I did kind of figure out where I was going, once I got into the the heart of the castle, right? And you can tell when you're you're on the right path because it starts to actually feel lived in. <laughs> like you go into rooms and there's like paintings. Yeah. Right. They're like there's chandeliers that you are in a place where like creatures live, not just on these like abandoned exterior rooms. It felt to me like, um, do you remember in, when you were a kid, like on the playground, kids would have like yarn, like a circle of yarn, right? And they would put their fingers into it and they would make like these like shapes and then you could put your hand in the yeah, middle. Yeah, of you're the shape. talking about Tiddlywinks. For a second, it is sounded it? like a 1910 street kid game, but no, it's Tiddlywinks, basically. Is it Tiddlywinks? Is that Tiddly what? I think that's yeah, what it's called. Tiddly no, Tiddlywinks is where you have like little circles of plastic and you like throw them at a mat. Uh, Cat's what? Cradle, maybe? Yeah, Cat's Cradle. Okay. But yes, it reminded me of that where yeah, you get you get the yarn and like a whole thing and then you like pull it, right? And then it just all goes back to being normal. Yeah. And it's like that to me is is the brilliance of this design where it feels so complicated. It feels like it's just this giant knot and you're like, how could this possibly make sense? How could they possibly direct me and have control and have any sense of, you know, direction? And then you end up exactly where you need to be. And it just all in instant clicks. Yeah, everything sort of funnels to the same eventual spot. But there are so many ways to get there. Um, and it's using a lot of these like very, I mean, not super subtle. But, you know, when you see a bunch of enemies that are pointing ballistas in one direction, you kind of know that their, back, their backs are facing where you need to go. They're obviously guarding a specific spot. If there's a giant sitting on some stairs... You want to get behind that giant, right? So there are a lot of tools that are telling you secretly, very subtly, hey, this is the direction you should be going in. But it, it still makes you feel like you have a lot of control over how, you know, you approach that. Uh, before we get to like the end sort of area, 
uh, I just want to talk about the court, main courtyard, for example. I think this is an area that like everyone thinks of immediately when they think of Stormvale Castle because it is the area with the like 20 soldiers with ballistas and, you know, it's very crowded. And from this spot, there's kind of like six or seven branching paths you can take. And one of them I missed for a really long time until I, not this time, not the time that I, most recently that I played through this map, but maybe a month or two after the launch of the game, I came back here and realized that there was just like an edge that I didn't fall off of and a totally optional giant boss fight that was just like waiting for me at the bottom of this pit with like a creepy face down that it was just like this weird <sighs> twisted unexpected moment um for an area that i thought i had fully explored and just like stumbling upon that was was so incredible yeah and, and again buried under the thing that seems like it it is the thing right the, the, there's a thing within the thing is is so wild as if like you hadn't designed enough i mean that that, that is also one of the funniest moments in the game to me where you've made your way you feel like you're really into the castle you there's like a, a bit of a boss fight once you're into the kind of these main rooms it's like this creature with multiple arms it's in like a ball or a hall is that yeah that's right like a royal <laughs> hall <laughs> whatever and then you yeah you see it the 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 door with light shining and you're like oh great an exterior i'm, I'm at the courtyard and you go out and you just see all of those weapons aiming at you. Yeah. And the instant is just like, okay, you're dead. <laughs> um, just such a good goof. Such a great goof. Um, between that and, and the fact that you do all of this work and you realize like, wow, if, if you could have gone through the f front gate, it would have taken you exactly here. Yeah, but you would have been dead because everyone no, was aiming course. at you. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it, it is it, good, good geography, right? Yeah. yeah, it's I, I I I would love for from software to make a diehard video game. <laughs> They're the only people who could do it. You know, I mean, no, no. Why you want Nakatomi Plaza from them? Yeah, like that to me is that's what's so appealing about Die Hard is it's, it's this rare action movie where you know exactly where you are at all times. That's this very complex geography of of the um the skyscraper the office building and you always know where you are and where he needs to go and i just feel like oh the, the, the match made in heaven would be from software uh doing a digital version of that total waste of their talent they shouldn't actually do it <laughs> but if you know just for me if they want to put together a christmas present next year uh, now would be a good time to get started. at the very least uh, um, maybe a modern from software game would be interesting yeah. I don't yeah. even know what that would look like. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever see that. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we've we've uh, battled the big ball guy. We got ourselves through the courtyard. We found the ulcerated tree spirit that was kind of off that hidden ledge in the, in the back. And we're kind of approaching, you know, essentially the end of, of this dungeon. And it was here that, you know, you can basically power your way through this big giant sitting on the stairs as a save point behind him. And I remember uh, going through this and realizing, oh, this is the final boss right here. There was like a little side room with some pot guys. And the side room was an area that I kind of like dipped a toe into and then kind of forgot about. 
And on this playthrough, again, I went through there and realized that like, oh, here's a whole other area and series of jumps and locked door that I just never found the first time through (laughs) after spending like easily 10 hours, if not 15 hours in this dungeon alone. It uh, continues to just be shocking to me that they were able to like nestle all of these secret little paths and entryways throughout the entire experience to make it just way more satisfying. It's, you know, with games this big, obviously, you know, team members split up and they go off and they have like the dedicated team that's working on this dungeon or the dedicated team working on this system. And it just didn't, doesn't feel like there's like a B-League team at From Software like that got stuck with a dungeon that ends up coming cra- coming out crappy. I mean, this I think is one of the better dungeons, but I think they're all pretty fucking great. And um, kind of just a, an amazing feat that they were able to accomplish this. I mean, we haven't even talked about the like art design of this whole place, which I mean, every single moment looks straight out of like concept art. Like you could just screen sh- screenshot anything and hang it on the wall. It just looks so stunning. And then you fight the big baddie. And then you fight the big guy. I mean, that, that, <laughs> it's funny that we, you know, it's arguably one of the most popular i guess recognizable boss fights instantly um but that's not what we're here to talk about we're here to talk about the castle yeah yeah i mean i you know i do think both margaret and godric the grafted obviously play into the scene in some sense i wouldn't call them level design per se but they you know kind of ramp up and and speak to one another in the way that they both uh play and play out uh, their fought at uh, their fights uh i think i think they're both great boss fights and and again visually stunning but you're right it's not necessarily a level design thing yeah i mean it, it, i i i do agree with the idea of book ending a stage with boss fights rather than it just being a thing at the end is so clever and you're right the the, the kind of mirroring effect is so interesting it just rules i mean i i, I you mentioned all the people on the team going off and making different things. I continue to be impressed, especially now going back and like, I watched a few different runs of this just to see how different people were playing it. And one, people approach it so differently, which is cool to watch. Um, but two, it, it really does feel like a, a tasting menu of, of what's to come in the game. Like, there is a sewer area that you can kind of stumble upon. There is all this exterior verticality. There's the um, the climbing on the roofs that reminds me a lot of the uh, the sorcerers. Yeah, Raya castle. Lucaria has a lot of um, Yeah, like, it, it is giving you kind of a hint of what is to come. And I think almost each chunk of it, other castles or dungeons do better. But none of them have the the sheer kind of variety and the way that it weaves all together is just phenomenal. Um, yeah, it, I think holistically it feels like the most consistent of all of them. I think it it feels like architecture to me in ways that not all of the other dungeons in the game even though they might realist like logically work as like oh this could exist in the real world. Stormvale feels 100% like it could exist in the real world. And um, I think that's what makes it so satisfying as you feel like you have the freedom to fully explore this place. 
That's it. We did it. We did. W- w- is isn't it lively? Lovely? Isn't it lovely? <laughs> Better know a dungeon. We'll call it that. We'll see you after the break. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We did it. After talking about Better Knowing a Dungeon, we're going into many dungeons all at once. We didn't even prime you up top. We realized we probably should have done that. We're going to talk about the release of Persona 3, 4, and 5 across basically every console. You can effectively play these games that were hitherto limited to obscure PlayStation portable devices uh, and the PlayStation 4 and 5, and now you can play them on everything. So which one should you play is the question. And your options are Persona 3 Portable. I think that's what the the official name is. Yeah, I think you're right. uh, Persona 4 Golden and Persona 5 Royal, which these are the, um, the best versions of each entry in the Persona. Sort series. of the game of the year versions, if you will. Yes, w- with even more significant changes. Um, we will notice that Persona 1 and Persona 2 are not here. That's because they are extremely difficult <laughs> and we cannot condone that you play them. Uh, are they not good? Well, no, it's not that... Well, I don't... I think if, if you're listening to this show right now and you have not played Persona 1 and Persona 2 on your own, I don't. I don't think they're for you. You know. I think. I think you may. Let's let's start with three, four, and five. They are at least um, approachable. Have you played? You played four and five. Yeah, I, I b- both with four and five. I probably played in uh, two hours. I want to say. So uh, let let's get three off the table then, right off the top. Persona three. If you are listening to this show. And you played Persona 5, and especially if you played Persona 4 and you really enjoyed them, now is actually a great chance to play Persona 3. And here's the good thing about it. You've learned all of the confusing and obscure things about the series by getting practice in these much more approachable games. Mm. And you should go off and play it. Um, Some warning, very violent, very bleak. Um, The way that characters uh, initiate their personas is I don't know if it's really even pretending, but like, uh, you know, what? I'm not going to say it. You can you can see a video of it. It's horrible and graphic and violent. Extreme trigger warning. Yeah, extreme. Um, so that's that. We're going to put that one aside for for the typical person, uh, especially people who have not played these games. I think and you probably agree with me here. Persona 4 and Persona 5 are, are really now your starting points. Yeah, we've narrowed and, it down even further. And based on what I played, I'll tell you. I found Persona 4 to be more grabby to me mm-hmm. just because I like the setting of like a rural village more than uh, downtown Tokyo. But yeah, well, I mean, let's talk about that. Let's, let's separate what these, what sure. the two different ones are. Set up, set up Persona 4 Golden and I can take Royal. Sure. So, oh God. <laughs> I mean, just the general. Okay. Like... You're at Persona 4 Golden. You're in uh, this like small Japanese village and. Something with this is like I didn't play it for it was like five years ago and I only played a couple hours. But there's like a TV show that people are watching and people start dying at night and then you get sucked into the TV and there's a Teddy is there. And uh, I remember Juness is a store. Uh huh. That's uh-huh. about all. I, I, yeah, that's about all I remember. You want me to save you? I thought you, I thought you finished this game. No, you, you, no, you, you know, that wasn't that wasn't your The problem is thing. I get sleepy. 
That's fair. That's I think fair. I think the writing I found the writing to be good. I just I couldn't I couldn't get through it. Yeah, that 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 is generally the basic premise is that you are yes, in a small town, you are staying with I believe it's your uncle and his daughter. Mm-hmm. Um and mysterious deaths are taking place and you and your friends are kind of coming to terms with your own identities, your personas if you will. Um, in this alternate, um, violent, scary RPG world. And your time is split between, uh, your hobbies around town, around this, like, small village, uh, in your schoolwork, and then, you know, going off and fighting monsters inspired by myths from, I mean, across the world in time. Um, Persona 5. Wait, before you do that, I do remember one more thing. Uh Uh-huh. Everything's great at your Juness. Yes, there's there's a shopping center in town that has a very catchy jingle, and yeah. that is what Fresh is imitating. That's all I remember. Um, it is also it was released originally, I believe, on the PlayStation Two, the first Persona Four, and then Golden, the upgraded version, was released on the PlayStation Vita. Yeah, and for a lot of people, this was the reason to buy a PlayStation Vita. Uh, and it was really the only place to play it for quite a while. Um, it feels like a PlayStation 2 game. That that might be the biggest barrier for a lot of people, is it doesn't have a lot of the creature comforts of modern role-playing games. You get into dungeons, and there's, quite frankly, not a lot to see. It can be a little bit challenging. Um, that said, I do agree with you. In terms of just pure warmth, and wanting to spend time with the characters, I think Persona 4, if that's what you're looking for, and especially if you have some experience with role-playing games, yeah, you should definitely check this out. Kind of surprised you haven't checked it out already by now, if that's you. Um, Then Persona 5 takes place in Tokyo. Splashier. Much splashier. This game was originally developed, I I believe, for the PlayStation 3, but it was probably most known for its release on the PlayStation 4. Um, and you are a, a collection of high school thieves pulling off heist in the this like phantom zone. You're the phantom thieves of hearts, and you are um, doing the exact same thing. You know, you're uh, you have your hobbies now in the big city. Um, you're going to school, and the, now the kind of like the what these dungeons build towards are evil adults, like. Adults in the world who are taking advantage of or exploiting children, um, aka you and your friends. And it is, I think, a bit darker than four. It gets a little closer to three. It is much more approachable in terms of, for example, like how you actually use personas. <laughs> These characters is not, I would say, immediately understandable in Persona 4. A, a joke with Persona 4 is that you learn how to, how to play it, uh, you know, about 95% of the way through. Um, where I think Persona 5, especially Royal, does a much better job of explaining all of that. So if when you play a game, you really feel like you want to be in control and you're here for the combat and for all of that stuff, in that case, I think 5 is probably the better pick. The trick here is... I think the characters are not quite as charming. I think the visuals are, I don't know, a little harsher. I don't know. The the, the Persona 4 has this kind of like 70s um, burnt oranges and yellows and greens to it. 
Um, Persona 5 is like really stark red and black. Very high and, contrast. And, yeah, and very moody. Um, uh, inspired a little bit by like casinos almost. Yeah. Um, they're both great. I mean, that's the thing. Both of them I think you'll enjoy. They're also both like 150 hours long. So yeah. uh, if you I, pick I would, one, you'll be good for a while, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, if you have the means, maybe you try one and you can try the other um, before, you know, really committing all of that time. Because especially Persona 5, when you think you are nearing the end, you have just reached the beginning. Um very somewhat so, Elden Ring. So long. Oh, but I mean, yeah, for me, it just even compared to Elden Ring, it just goes on and on. Elden and on. Ring was also 150 hours for what it's worth. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. That's geez, video games, man. Um I I think it's a series that is hundred percent worth trying at least once. Um e- even if you're not a huge RPG person. I I think it's one of those games that kind of transcends its genre a little bit, um, kind of especially five, just because again it, because it is so much more approachable. Um, if you th- hey there you know there is one other option, you could also just watch the anime. There you go. It's right there. It's sitting there if you want it. I'm 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 not saying it's the way that you should go. It's but good. It's right there if you want it. I mean, I didn't make it through it, but uh, I also had played the game, so yeah, I, okay. I don't, I don't really. It's need an anime it. of what five? Uh, well, there's one of four, and I believe there is one of five. Oh. I've, I've seen one of four. That seems like a more appealing way to do it, personally. Yeah, is that what you're gonna do? You're gonna let up? Crunch I think roll? I'm just gonna watch the anime. That sounds great. Um, uh, so yeah, that's it. We just wanted to give you like a little bit of a crash course, um, and send you on your rightful way. Uh, are you, 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 which one are you going to play? Yeah? Uh, you going to devote your time? No, probably not. Yeah, but they seem nice. Right. I'm glad they bring joy to people, but it's just like, I don't know where I'm going to have that time. That's, I mean... It, if I'm, if I have that amount of time, I'm just going to replay Hollow Knight, which I've been dying to oh do for gosh. years, so... Well, I wish you luck. <laughs> um, uh, anything else before you wrap? Yeah, I wanted to really quick mention two... Mini games, very small games, but it's two excellent games. The developer is Johan Pates. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And Johan makes, um, I want to say, minimalist approaches to various genres. Uh, their style is like heavily pixelated, very low resolution pixelation, but they do a ton with that pixelation. So the two games that I'm recommending which are both free and playable in a browser if you want to do that. Uh, they actually run on Pico 8, which is an independent uh, kind of game system. Uh, the first game is called Ascent, which is like a micro Metroidvania. It takes like 30 minutes to beat, but kind of encapsulates everything about Metroidvanias in a very, very tight 30 minutes. Uh, if you're a fan of like uh, uh, Celeste and stuff like that, um, feels very similar. So I, I really dig that. And they also made a game called Golf Sunday, which is a golfing game uh, that is like a super minimalist golfing game where it like automatically picks what club you're using and uh, there's no like element where you're, you know, trying to time your drives or anything like that. The way uh, the game works is the further your drive is, the further you're aiming away, 
the bigger the circle is, which indicates that your accuracy is going to be worse. Hmm. So it just like super simplifies everything. And to add a little fun to it, you actually have to walk to your ball or you can like drive a cart around. And all this is presented in like super like lo-fi, uh, super pixelated, tiny little 280 by 280 graphics. Yeah. And it uh, it's great. I love both of them. So they're the uh, one of them is called Ascent, and the other one is Golf Sunday. Highly recommended. It reminds me a little bit of that Mario Golf, the most recent Mario Golf. Pretty good game. Well, in terms of walking around, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just I love a golf game that, that gets that walking around the golf course is a huge part of golf. Yeah, <laughs> you know, is like that part of it is the vibe. Of yeah, just- that last everybody's golf. A game that came out on PlayStation did the same thing, and I agree with you. I think it's a it's a nice touch. Um, my, uh, I don't know if I'm going to even call this a recommendation, but I'm going to talk about it. Have you heard about Skinamarink? I've heard it's a horror movie. Okay, so Skinamarink is the like maybe the closest this generation is going to get to a Blair Witch project, and by that I I don't mean like in terms of quality or anything. I think I'll let other people decide what they think of it. But it is a micro, micro budget film, mm. like thousands of dollars to make it. And it is about, in the loosest sense, um, two toddlers or very young children who wake up in their house. And it's like in the mid 90s. And suddenly, like the doors and windows are or have already disappeared. Oh, my. And they're effectively trapped in the house. And there are, like, no lights on except for, like, the light of a TV that is just playing archive footage of, like, old cartoons, like, open license cartoons. Creepy. And the movie never really, like, shows their faces. It never shows them, like, talking. You can kind of hear them talk at times, but it's hard to make out. So sometimes it puts um, text on the screen. Yeah. And then there's also a voice coming from the darkness and you're not sure if you're ever really seeing anything because again it's shot on digital in effectively a room with no windows or doors um in the dark (laughs) and that voice is gradually telling them horrible things um and yeah it's it's really upsetting uh and uh i whether or not anything even happens in it is a great question it has drawn a lot of attention because of it just being like I don't know, very TikTok friendly. It's very um, like uh, post creepy pasta, like yeah, YouTube sure. video type of thing. Yeah, but stretched out for a hundred some minutes. Mm. Um, I had the chance to see it in a theater, even though most people will probably be able to check this out on Shutter. I think in like two weeks. Um, and I've not seen that many people walk out and boo a movie. <laughs> <laughs> in a long time. But at the same time, a lot of people clapped. Um, Got a which reaction. I think is like partly a response. Yeah. And like when the scares did happen, again, a very, 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 very slow movie. When the scares happened, oh my gosh, like it felt like the entire place was having a collective convulsion. Um, it was it was pretty wild. Uh, it was cool just to see something. I mean, I I really admire it. As like an a artwork, like it could like it could exist as like installation art, or as again something cut down on YouTube. It was deeply weird to see something that is either of those things being presented as a traditional movie, in which people are going into it expecting that people who probably have, and this is a critique of them, 
just never had any experience with either of those things, right? They're just like, I'm just here to watch a movie. Yeah, I think The Northman was probably another version of that. Yeah, yeah. Though I again, this is even more. This is like going and watching like Warhol's Manhattan or something. Like, sure, that's I mean, truly going and seeing something. something. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like I, I, I know Gotham, whatever it's called, but it, it is. Yeah, it's truly going and expecting a movie. And it's simply not being a movie yeah. <laughs> in any sense of that word. Um, yeah, it was it was a trip. Um, it's going to be on Shudder. I it, it's kind of a bummer. I mean, I'm glad that it's going to be on Shudder because hey, at least it's out there. Um, but talk about a movie that uh, is not going to benefit from streaming uh, and like bit rates and all that stuff of like how how you actually stream video that dark of a vi- of a movie is not going to look especially good. Well, Avatar That's okay. two will look like shit too. So whatever. Well, yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I, the only thing I would recommend is if you do, if for whatever reason you're hearing this, like I love this sort of weird upsetting thing. Definitely watch with headphones on because like this movie exists in its sound. Yeah. Um, so if you're in it, watch it on your laptop in a dark room. And I think you might have a good time. Let us know. Cool. That's it. We did uh, it. This week we talked about Elden Ring for starters, Persona 3, 4, and 5, uh, Johan P- Pates, Johan Pites, Pates. Sure. Hi. Sure. Uh, Ascent and Golf Sunday and Skin of Rink, which will be on Shutter early in February. And that's it. We did it. We, we did, did it. another episode. Yay. <sighs> that feels good, you know? It feels good just to be back in the saddle of, of making podcasts. Do we, do, we, do we know what we're doing next? No, we have no idea. Well, that sounds good. I'm, I'm sure we'll have something really exciting but, to talk about. But uh, I guess besties will have fire emblem so that's oh yeah that's a big one yeah maybe i'll convince you to do grand theft auto one two and three or three grand theft auto three in the three versions of it the trilogy maybe maybe we'll see we'll see okay okay um that is it for another episode of uh, the resties he is russ frustic you, you, you want me to say your name? Uh-huh. Yeah, you're setting you're up. I was going to switch it up. Yeah, <laughs> he is Chris Plan, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we did it. And uh, we're <laughs> we're the rest of we're the resties. We're we're the rest of the best. Discussing the best of the rest. Resties. resties. <laughs>